So, Becca, how was your Sunday morning? I think this was, hands down, the worst Formula One weekend of my entire life. The only thing that could possibly, possibly compete with it is Abu Dhabi 2021. And I think potentially, potentially this Sunday tops it. (laughs) What possibly could have been so bad? you through my Sunday morning. I'll take, I can take you through my whole Sunday, if you like, about why the Australian Grand Prix was such a monumentally fucking horrendous, horrendous day for me. I also hope you know that you're probably going to have to be my stand-in therapist for quite a lot of this, and you're probably going to be the recipient of maybe the first ever Becca rant um, that you've heard. You probably got quite a lot of it in Monza, but I feel like that was more mutual therapy, so... Well, I feel like we'll come out of it stronger. So before I recap the race, Becca, set the scene. How did you experience this race? I I experienced the race very differently to how you experienced the race. So I, I'll, I'll I'll take you through the pure hell that I went through on Sunday. But I feel like I need to I need to set the scene by explaining that I feel like anyone who knows me very well would say that one of the like a defining pillar of my personality is my hatred of spoilers <laughs> this this is very important to set the scene sunita your girlfriend for anyone listening she once told me a huge spoiler about one tree hill uh, i was part way through watching one tree hill for the first time this was maybe four years ago three years ago and i still bring it up at least monthly and it almost broke our friendship. I have heard about this. It is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that is th- this, just to set the scene, spoilers are very, very important to me. Uh, if I hear a spoiler, I, there's no coming back from it. So I was at a wedding on Saturday night, which is why the main reason why I decided I was not going to get up at 6am to watch the race because I was in a hotel with my friend who has absolutely zero interest in Formula One. I obviously got home quite late and was mildly hungover. So I wasn't going to be getting up at 6am to watch the race. So I thought, no problem, no problem. Sky has got a replay on at 9.30. So absolutely no problems. I will just do a social media, but I'm not going to be getting up much earlier than 9.30 anyway. I will be, like like quite a lot of the nation, I think, will be watching the replay at 9.30. So I got up, set my alarm, got up, texted you, you know, just checked in. Um, and then I decided, right, it's coming up to 9.30. I decided to mute all the chats. I feel like this is quite important as well. I muted the Monza chat. So you put some warnings in there about the delayed the sky delay. I hadn't seen any of these because I muted and archived any F1 chats I had because I was like, I cannot see any spoilers. I was absolutely militant at avoiding any spoilers. Like, and I'd warned everybody I know, everybody I know who's into F1, do not message me. Do not tell me anything about F1. So everybody knew not to tell me anything. And for just for context, I had the opposite of you. I had absolutely no plans. I spent the week getting up earlier and earlier. So I watched Quali and the race live for the exact reason that I would be as angry as you as what happened to you happened. So obviously, by the time you got up at nine, I, you know what, I can say it now. The really hard part when I was warning everyone, including you in our group chat, was that I didn't want to tell people that the race was still going on when you guys were trying to watch the replay. Like literally around nine o'clock when you guys were talking about it, I was like, no, we're still waiting for the last restart. But I didn't want to tell anyone that because I didn't want to basically to let you know there were going to be two red flags. But then what happened was at 9.30, there was supposed to be a scheduled replay and I was watching the TV and it was still playing the post-race interview. And yeah, I was warning other people, but I think I got to you at like 9.31 and it was too late. 
But, but but you understandably, Dom, would have thought no problem because I've messaged a group chat that Becca is. No, in. I didn't. I didn't know. I knew that you muted it, so I think I came on at like nine thirty-one. But at nine twenty-one, at nine twenty-nine, I was watching it, and I was like, people are going to turn it on now, and there was just a big banner that said Max Verstappen wins. I honest, honestly, I've never in my life, like my heart sank. I turned it on, and but I even, Dom, I even turned it on at nine thirty-one because I thought, Do you know what? just in case they're running a couple of minutes late or if like, because I was watching it on Sky Go on my phone, I thought maybe they'll be running a little bit late. You know, maybe my phone will be a little bit behind. I'll turn it on at 9.31. Yeah. Max Verstappen wins chaotic Australian Grand Prix right at the bottom. I wanted to go down to Sky HQ, find whoever fucking did that. I was so mad. Oh my fucking God. I literally cannot express how mad I was. I had practically had a breakdown in the hotel room. I was like, can't believe it. Can't believe it. I know Max wins every race. So, you know, look, you think not that bad a spoiler, but I like the anticipation. And we know that Red Bull have had some reliability issues. I, I like, I like not knowing. So I was like, oh my God, oh my God can't believe this has happened obviously you you were there for the emotional support you kindly told me when to put it on which was I don't know maybe like an hour later or something crazy why did they update the fucking schedule anyway so I put it on I put it on and I I should have realized that I was far far too emotionally unstable after the spoiler to be watching the race at that point I was so angry oh my god I couldn't I couldn't watch it because I was just so mad I couldn't concentrate I was so pissed off obviously oh yeah I feel like I can get into this later but I'm watching it I'm seeing all these DNFs I'm seeing all these crazy things happen and it was quite quite an eventful first 20 or so laps but I was so angry that I just couldn't enjoy it so um I also knew I had to check out the hotel so I I was like I just can't enjoy this so I'm just going to turn it off and I'm going to watch it later on so I'm in a bad mood. Go out for go out for lunch with my friend before our train. Then Sunita, bless her, has misunderstood, thinks that I have seen the full results of the race. So says sends me a text that says, at least Lewis came second. <laughs> which then triggers my second breakdown of the day. I'm out for brunch. I'm literally, I went, I just sit in this restaurant, I go, oh my fucking God. <laughs> My friend is obviously not an F1 fan, is like, what, what's wrong? I'm like, oh my fucking God, I can't believe it. I cannot believe it. I'm like, I cannot believe Like of all, Lewis, I'm a, Lewis is my number one driver. So I was like, I, I actually can't believe this has happened. I can't believe this has happened. Poor Sunita, I was like, Sunita, I was like, I just need, I, I need a minute. I was like, I actually need, like, I literally can't believe you've just said this to me. I need, I need some time. I need some time to digest what's just happened. Yeah, so I then have um, multiple train delays, a seven-hour journey home, and then get home. Finally, decide I'm emotional ready, emotionally ready to watch the rest of the race. Hate absolutely every second of it, Dom. Just to let you know, hate every second because I'm so furious about the events of the day. Sunita does make it up to me. I also wasn't very clear in explaining to her the spoilers that I had seen, so a lot of this is on me. Sunita buys me some brownies to apologise, <laughs> and then. Yeah, I watched the rest of the race, but I'll just explain to you the multiple reasons why it was ruined. One, my favorite drivers are Charles, who DNF'd, Alex, who DNF'd, Ocon, who DNF'd, Nick, who DNF'd, Carlos, who might as well have DNF'd, Lewis, who... I knew from the beginning was coming second. So the anticipation and the excitement at the beginning, you know, you think, oh my God, could Mercedes beat Max? Doesn't matter because I knew Max was winning when I was watching it at the beginning. So doesn't matter. Then, oh, Alonso beat Lewis. Doesn't matter because I knew he come come second. Then the restart, you're thinking, oh my God, because could Lewis get in front of Max? Doesn't matter because I, I already knew he came second. So the whole race was absolutely terrible for me so I want to hunt down some Sky producers I have forgiven Sunita for the second large spoiler she has given me in our friendship but I never even want to think about what happened this weekend ever again uh, after this podcast but I am very excited to debrief it for the next hour and that is the only time I will ever be able to emotionally face it again and that is what happened this Sunday. 
Wow. That's that's one hell that's one <laughs> hell of a tale. And I'm so glad with my life decisions right now. <laughs> I think I think there was one I think it was actually the Australian Grand Prix last year that we were gonna we were away and we were gonna watch with some of Cena's family on the way back and we just had to stay off social media. And that was so even that was hard. I remember going into a store to get milk and I was like, I need to put my headphones on because I'm I'm unlucky enough that someone behind me in the queue is gonna be like, Oh, did you see that race by Max or Lewis or anything? So anytime I have the opportunity now, I'm watching it, whether it's three in the morning or six in the morning or whatever. I'm actually Vegas I'm the most worried about because that is actually going to be the middle of the night. You just don't know whether Mm. to get up or to stay up for it. But yeah, aside from your experience, honestly, it was one of the best races I ever watched. It it kind of had it all other than unexpected winner. It had a dramatic beginning. It had a dramatic end. It had interesting storylines. I obviously don't want anyone to ever get hurt, but I feel like a bunch of DNFs do really like make things somewhat interesting. And I'm and I'm also a big fan of red flags because having three restarts also made it really interesting. So for me, it was a four out of five star race. So I'm guessing for you, it was probably maybe one, maybe two on reflection, but no higher. Not, 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 couldn't, couldn't even like at no point did my heart rate raise apart from, from pure anger. So yeah, not, not, not out of five for me. Okay, well, now I'm going to take you through it, and maybe this experience will be slightly better for you. I hope so, because you know what? It looked like it would have been really fun for everyone, and I'm really glad that everybody who got up early to enjoy it enjoyed it, because you all deserve to enjoy it. The, the rest of the rest of the people who got up at nine thirty, I my my you know my sisters and brothers in arms, I really feel for us those of us who got spoilers. Anyone who gave a spoiler to anyone else, you you deserve bad things. <laughs> yeah, Sunita, you know maybe next year if you don't get up at six a.m., maybe I'll send you a screenshot of the full <laughs> grids. I can't promise anything, but yeah. Um, so just a recap of quality. The main thing with quality is that Checo had a problem in um, Q one, mm. so he started from originally the back of the grid but then i think he took some component changes so in the end he started from the pit lane along with logan Sargent. um even though it ended a bit like the race quality even though max ended up winning it there was a time when it was quite competitive i think in q3 at one point there was seven different sorry six different provisional poles and we also had some fun surprises in um q3 which were nico um yeah nico hulkenberg albon and gasly so moving on to the Grand Prix, which I very happily watched live all by myself. And because I had no <laughs> one to talk to, I made some notes. Uh, so it was a very dramatic start. So Max started Ooh. at the, the front and George immediately overtook him. And then Lewis overtook him. So by like the second or third corner, we had Mercedes, Mercedes, Red Bull. So I was losing my share already at that point. But Leclerc went off, I think, in like the third corner. I originally thought it it was like some sort of technical problem, but it does seem like I think he went really aggressively on someone else and tapped them and then went off. So unfortunately, it was completely his fault. That was one of those things that it kind of got lost in all the commotion of what caused it. But it wasn't a technical problem. It was him making a bad decision. Oh, I didn't realize. So I was going to ask you that, actually. Again, because, because I have been so emotionally unstable since the race because of uh, all the spoilers i've not even been able to google anything that happened because i'll be too angry or done my usual listening to all the podcasts to be able to discover all of these things i would normally discover so i was going to ask you what happened to him but oh i'm sad to hear i would have preferred to have blamed ferrari but i'm sad to hear that it was charles's own fault he must be beating himself up he's really tough on himself charles yeah, he is. And but I've I've heard some analysis that like pe- people are saying it was not only was it clumsy to um that it happened, but also the the fact that he was making an aggressive move at the start of the race was just just wasn't the the right thing. Yeah, that's it. He was he was trying to overtake Stroll, I think, and he touched him and that sent him into the gravel and out Ooh. of the race. So that resulted in a safety car, so on lap one, and something very interesting happened. On the first lap, five different cars went in for pit stops. And on the second lap, two of those cars came in again. Now, Becca, question number one, why did five cars pit? And why do you think two of them pitted twice? Ooh, okay. Um, 
did five of them pit because there was a safety car and last year Alex Alban managed to do 49 laps on the hards and could have done the full race but he only obviously he's not allowed to is that why they that that is why and he it was he, I think it's a 58 lap race and he did 57 laps last year on it and literally changed on the last lap and yeah that's absolutely mm. why they all did it because they wanted to basically replicate the same thing um, and so to anyone who doesn't know, there's a rule in F1 that you need to change tires at least once. Now, here's the thing. Not only do you have to change tires, but you have to change compound. So, Becca, question two, and I just gave you a hint there. Why do you think Logan Sargent and Checo Perez pitted twice in two laps? Ooh, okay. Pitted twice in two laps. So, surely they didn't think, they didn't go to the mediums. Oh, wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. So here we go. Right, let me figure this out. So did they, were they on, did they start on the hards, go onto the mediums and then go back onto the hards? Yeah, that's right. So I don't even know what they switched to on that one, but that's exactly right. So they know they needed to change compounds. So yeah, they changed onto softs or mediums and then straight back onto hards with the idea of then doing the rest of the race on those hards. That makes sense. That makes total sense. Which, this is the sort of thing, and one of the reasons I love F1, it would have been interesting to see how that panned out, but obviously knowing what a shit show the rest of the race was, there was absolutely no need to stay on the same compound the whole race. Yeah. But then on lap seven, Alex Albon went off into the gravel and into the side of one of the barriers, putting gravel absolutely everywhere, damaging seemingly some of the barrier, and there was a safety car, but one of those slow safety cars where they went round about once. And during that time, a couple of people pitted. Most notably was George Russell and Carlos Sainz. And there was immediately some arguing with Lewis because he was like, oh, why are you doing it to this? You really fucked me. And then there was a red flag. And And so immediately "Ah." Lewis... (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So that was like, oh, shit. Um, So Lewis and Max, who were for a second at that point, came into the pit. Everyone came into the pit, and obviously, then they got to. Everyone got to change their tires. There's been and so Alex. Just a quick question. Yes, Alex's fault. William's fault. Alex's fault, and he's taking responsibility. It seems like it's one of those where it wasn't on the corner where it happened. So in the minute at the time, what people thought was that he took the previous corner a bit wrong, and then he was sort of trying to steady himself, and he just went off. The last thing I saw is that he uh, he said that maybe it was a couple of corners before where he scruffed his tires, and so basically the car became un- undrivable. And yeah, he just he just went off. I mean, the corner where he went off is a very easy corner. It's not even really a corner. It was more like a swerve. And yeah, and he just went off. I believe he must have done some damage to the barrier, but the main thing was the gravel. Uh, so there has been some debate over whether that needed to be a red flag. Um, if anything, today, the thing I've been listening to most to, because there ended up being three red flags in this race, mm. which is the most has ever been most in ever. F1 race. Um, I think, it, especially at this point in the race, I do think it made sense to have a red flag because it just sucks when five or six laps get used up behind a safety car when really yeah. you could just red flag it. And it gives us a restart. And there's nothing wrong with having a restart, you know, eight or nine laps into the race. Max obviously overtook pretty quickly when I think as soon as there was DRS, um, he overtook because Lewis wasn't able to get, you know, beyond the one second. And then we kind of had in this sort of for end of the first third of the race, it was kind of a Alonso versus Lewis, t- like speed versus tire fight. That would have been really interesting if you didn't know who came second. Like that would have been a really, really interesting thing to watch, I think. Yeah. Would have been fun. That probably... That probably ended up being the most interesting duel in terms of there actually being a competition and being high up. So yeah, the I bet. It kind of, <laughs> <laughs> and then around lap eight on lap eighteen, uh, George Russell caught fire, and I don't mean like he suddenly was really good. I mean he literally caught fire. <laughs> and then lap fifty four is when everything started to hit the fan. All the shit started yeah. to hit the fan. Magnuson, and it's still unclear exactly what happened here. Some people think he lost the tire by going against the wall, but it seems what I've read and it seems more credible is that he was taking some of the, the sides of the roads like really hard. And eventually he just took one too hard just as he was coming into um, a straight and his tire came off 
and flew into the wall because there was a huge tire mark, ironically, on the Pirelli billboard. But it seems like he might have lost it just as he was going really close to the wall because the first shot showing him was just him driving with three tires instead of four. So there was just kind of slow, awkward drive where he came to a stop. And he, like most drivers, found a pretty decent spot to stop. But his tire was just left and it was left in the one in the middle of what I'm going to call these corridors, these straights where you've got a pretty rigid wall on either side. And so those are the ones that are quite dangerous to send marshals on. And apparently there were also some parts because apparently as well as losing the tire, his whole suspension was basically just fucked. So a bunch of parts and a big tire in the middle of this corridor. But most importantly, it was lap 54. So there were four laps left and they decided to red flag it, which everyone was quite surprised about. And this is definitely the more controversial of the red flags Mm. because it really does seem like what they should have done is just finish the race behind a safety car. And I tend to think after a lot of reflection that that's what they should have done because obviously we're not hypocrites. That's what they should have done in Abu Dhabi. That's what they did in Monza. And that's what they should have done here. But they decided not to. And so we got another red flag. I mean, I think they just need to be they just need to be consistent. Like they need they either need to have a rule that if it's X number of laps before the end, they're always going to call a red flag. And that way people will know. I think this is what Toto said. He said he has no problem with red flags. And again, I like red flags. I think it's exciting. But you just need to have a consistent rule so people know what's happening. They just it's classic FIA, isn't it? They're just different every bloody time. So the restart was Max, Lewis, Alonso, Sainz, Gasly, Stroll, Perez. Gasly holding in there at fifth, like good for him. You must have been happy. You you're a Gasly fanboy. I am a Gasly fanboy, but honestly, my main thing with him is that I put like a one or two quid bet on him winning every week at like <laughs> anywhere between 500 to 1,000 to one. So I just need him to win one more race in his career and I might actually make all my money back. <laughs> but yeah, so I was happy for him. But it's not, I mean, to be honest, given what ended up happening, he could have won if he'd just been on the other side of the have. crashes. Unfortunately, he wasn't. He was in the middle of the crash. So <laughs> the restart, the third start of the race went and Gasly, uh, Perez went off. Gasly went off and then basically what my understanding of what happened is that Gasly went off to the left and then managed to find Mm. his way back in but in a traffic jam and he basically was a bit unstable and he was coming back in from the left side and he kind of took his car to the right and as he was doing that Ocon was right behind him and was trying to overtake him but Gasly didn't have full control of his car so he crashed into the right wall and at this point, Ocon was right behind him and had nowhere to go. And he crashed right into him as well. Poor Ocon. The Alpines had a fucking nightmare in that whole shit show. It was chaos, that restart. I was just like, what the, what the hell is going on? Like, what the heck? The whole thing was a complete nightmare. I could not believe what was going on. But the thing that was so confusing... <laughs> was afterwards where it was like, hey, none of this counts, but some of it counts. The DNFs count, but nothing else counts. (laughs) But Carlos counts. I was like, what? What the fuck? That was what was so confusing about that weird restart. So unsurprisingly, they red flagged it again because we had, so even though we spun, Alonso was actually fine. Yeah. Sergeant went out. De Vries went out. Um, oh, obviously RIP both Nick. Alpines were out yeah that's it so obviously yeah. Kevin Magnussen had gone out before because of the tire also it was the when I said that Alonso spun he spun because he was tapped by Carlos Sainz yeah. which obviously turned out to be very important so they red flagged it but the whole time people were very unclear over what the restart order was going to be but about halfway through they decided that we're now going to call it the Silverstone rule. And even though this is what a lot of people got confused is because that lap counted on the count. So lap 57 happened, but the things that happened on lap 57 didn't count. So it's like the lap that happened, but didn't really happen. So they only had one last lap, which was the formation lap. And they had to they had to do it, but it was, yeah, it was just a procession. So the order that they reset it in, the order that the, third restart was in was the final order and so that ended up being max lewis alonso signs stroll perez 
Norris, Hulkenberg, Piastri, Joe Tsunoda, Bottas. But right before they started that, they announced that Sainz was getting a five-second penalty. And he basically... he was so sad. I heard it live. Him saying, "No, this is this is so unfair. Please, please." He begged. He was like, "Please tell them no. Tell them to apply it to me." Like I think he said, like they should apply it afterwards and stuff. Which honestly, I think because it made no difference about applying it before or after, and a lot of people said it could have been really, really dangerous to have it to do it the way they did because obviously everyone was going to try and get in five seconds behind him, even though it was going to be under the safety car. Mm. So luckily nothing happened. But And also it was giving science an incentive to basically leave a lot of space between him and uh, um, Alonso and then speed at the end. So something really bad could have happened. Luckily it didn't. But in the end, every single car managed to get in in the five seconds. So he dropped from fourth to twelfth crushed for him he sounded science is so emotional he's such a he is. he's such an emotional guy i was i felt so sad for him hearing that i was like oh my god if my day couldn't have got much worse and just a final stab just a final stab was something bad happening to carlos i was like for fuck's sake for fuck's sake you really had to finish me off there for fuck's sake come on just just give me just throw me a bone let nice things happen to nice people why why did they have to give him that penalty (laughs) i was so sad for him it was very sad but let's end on a positive note of red bull went first and fifth so that was a really good salvage but lewis coming second was amazing and he was elated fernando got his third podium in a row so three third in three races stroll came fourth in the end so that's a great uh, result for um, Aston Martin. Lando Norris coming in sixth was a great result for him. And his, co- his yeah. teammate Piastri getting his first points at his home Grand Prix. That was just a really nice that was story. Nice. Hulkenberg came seventh, so he got points his way. Joe got points as well. Yuki came in 10th because if Yuki had come in 11th, I don't know if you heard this on your replay, he would have gotten four races in 11th, which obviously is the worst position to be in, in a row. And that would have been the most races in the row to be in the same position other than first, which is a very weird record. But an interesting thing is that if Fernando comes third again in the next race, then he will then have that record, but on a much more favorable position. (laughs) Interesting. Oh, that's an interesting record. But I like that one. I like that one. Um, I'm glad Yuki got got his points. I'm glad you got his points. Okay, there's some positive stories in there. I, it's, it's nice for me to take some positives away because I, <laughs> I, it's very difficult for me to take any positives away because I mostly felt extreme anger and sadness at the end of yesterday and throughout the full day. Yeah, it was, it was an emotional roller coaster to watch, and then on top of it, when you add everything you went through, it's yeah. I mean, it's kind of a roller coaster in the wrong direction. The, not the kind of roller coaster yeah. you want to be on. All downhill. It was overall a very exciting race. And there is a lot to take away from it. So, for example, it does seem like the Alpine have a pretty good car and they could have had like double top six finishes. Is maybe the McLaren isn't as shit as we thought. Also, the Mercedes, definitely not as shit as we thought, but maybe not as amazing as we're hoping for. So, yeah, lots to take away from it. Uh, Let's start with the Alpine bromance as a follow-up there's a video that you haven't seen yet that came out one of my friends texted me and he said oh have you seen the cringe alpine video of them talking about how they're doing okay and stuff and i was like oh no i I thought it was gonna be some sort of hostage video now (laughs) it wasn't that bad i found like four f1 and i think the bar is pretty low for cringe when it comes to F1, nothing will ever be as cringy as the Ferrari boys doing that commercial. <laughs> oh my God, nothing will ever top the Shell video. That was absolutely criminal. Okay, so talk me through what the... So I, I saw, I did see it when scrolling through Instagram, but as I said, I've not been able to stomach consuming any content or listening to any podcast. So tell me what happened in the video. So the thing to take away from it broadly is the fact that it was Gasly's fault. He went off... And he came back. And some people are saying that he should have gotten a penalty for an unsafe return to the track. And so it was it was 100% his fault. And Ocon, you know, he didn't deliberately crash into Ocon. But it's because of him that Ocon yeah. crashed. But there hasn't been any stories about Ocon being mad at him or blaming him. And in the video, you know, Gasly didn't say, oh, it's my fault. Sorry, buddy. But he took respons- He took general responsibility. And he apologized to like, the That's team good. for doing it to the car. 
And then Alonso was obviously, you know, sorry, not Alonso, Ocon. Ocon was on the video as well. He, It didn't seem like he was being fake. It seemed like he understood what had happened and he was okay with it. And they were both just being really optimistic about having a good car. And given all the shit both of them were given about how they were going to hate each other. And on top of it, the two of them are exactly tied in the rankings with four points each. And I think only got four points. Yeah. God, I, I mean, they like, that. Well, they've had they've had a pretty rough first two races, and then obviously they would have like yeah. doubled their points with this. So they both have four. But I think a lot of people, including us, said that if they drew, if they were tied, then Gas is going to come out looking better because obviously it's a completely new car. So my point is that there's a lot of things that could give Gas um, a lot of things that could give Ocon reasons to complain or be bitter. But they still seem united. Obviously, the stakes are quite low and it's the beginning of the year. But I'm optimistic. I always hope the two of them would get on. And I think, especially if they have a good car, I think they'll get a good result in the next couple of races. What do you think? Yeah, I feel like they're... What's tricky is, obviously, they've been knocked down because of Aston Martin. So it's it's unfortunate because their car actually is quite good. But obviously, because the Ferrari um, is basically no better than last year, it's pretty much the same speed. I, th- I think I saw... Was it maybe Jeddah or something? I think it was maybe Jeddah. They were like 0.01 seconds faster. I was like, oh my God, their car is literally pretty much the same speed. But obviously, the other cars have got a lot faster. So everyone's been so squished at the top, apart from Red Bull, who've just run away into the distance. You've got... Aston Martin, Ferrari and Mercedes, who aren't that far apart from each other, I don't think, to be honest. I feel like those three are relatively close in terms of performance. And then and that's probably going to shift around and we're going to see those three move about a bit as we see the upgrades coming in the next few races. And then I don't think Alpine are anywhere near as far away from that group as they were last year from Mercedes and Ferrari. So yeah, I think I think we're going to see good things from them. I'm excited. So I'm looking at the rankings now. Red Bull is way ahead with 123. Then Aston Martin with 65, followed by Mercedes with 56. So as you said, Red Bull's way ahead. Aston Martin and Mercedes are fighting for second. Ferrari's at 26. Obviously, with no points there, yeah. it's disastrous. So they have less than half Mercedes points. Also, guess who's fifth? Oh, who is fifth? I don't actually... McLaren? Oh, shit. Is it because of their points finished? I f- it's because of their points here. Yeah. I feel, do you know what, though? I feel like the points at the moment don't are not reflective at all of the cars, though. Like, Ferrari are obviously... Like, I feel like Ferrari are way better than their points are showing because of the DNFs um, and because of how dire Charles's start has been to the season. Because of Alpine's DNFs, I don't feel like their points are giving an accurate reflection. So I feel like the points are actually, like, not at all an accurate reflection of how people... Of how, like, the cars are performing at this point in the season would be my general view. They don't represent too well how the cars are, but they are, you've got to think about it this way. The top four teams, Red Bull, Aston Martin, Mercedes, Ferrari, on your average race, they're all going to score points. So that's, and on average, they'll be ahead. So that is the top eight positions taken up by then. It only leaves scraps for the other, yeah. for the other teams. So for your McLarens and your Alpines and obviously all the others, Every point is really valuable. So the fact that by and a race is like this, it's so important to get those points, which obviously is what McLaren did. So like it could take, you know, it can take Alpine multiple races to catch up with McLaren. Like they might get two points, you know, three points between the two of the next race. And that would be considered a double points result for them, which would be good. And they'd True. still be behind McLaren. So I, I get what your point that I do think Alpine is a way better car than the McLaren and stuff, but these points are really valuable and it's just disastrous for them. Like they would be close to Ferrari now if they had, if they hadn't both yeah. DNF. Yeah. Which is just insane. And the way that, yeah, the, the way that we're seeing, the cars going with the DNFs, like reliability is a lot more of an issue than I expected to see at the beginning of this season because I thought we weren't going to see as many issues given that the cars are an evolution of last year's car. I didn't expect to see so many issues. So maybe we're going to see cars like Alpine and McLaren picking up more points. Well, I say McLaren, to be honest, they've got one of the shittest cars. Any any team, to be honest, picking up and mopping up more of those points than anticipated when Ferrari and some of the other teams are DNFing. Yeah, it's definitely, it's because everything's so certain at the top, it's nice to have some excitement lower down. 
So moving to the drivers, we have Max with 69, Perez with 54, Alonso with 45, Lewis with 38, then Carlos and Stroll with 20, George with 18, Lando Norris with 8, and then tied for ninth with six points, Nico Hulkenberg and Charles Leclerc. Oh my God. We'll talk about Charles a bit more in a minute, but what I want to focus on right now is Alonso and Lewis, seven points between them. What do we think is going to happen there? I think Alonso's going to come out on top. Because... Really? Yeah, because I'm the unluckiest person on the planet, maybe with the exception of Charles Leclerc. Good things don't happen <laughs> to me. And as we saw this weekend, but as, you know, we just see throughout my general life, to be honest, Dom, um, I am so unlucky. And there's absolutely no way that Charles is, that um, Lewis is going to come out on top because that wouldn't happen to me in my life. So Alonso will come out on top because of me. <laughs> I, I take responsibility. I take full responsibility of the fact that Lewis is going to come out behind behind Alonso yeah so Alonso will come out on top what do you, do you think? think it'll be by by one point in the last race as well mm, will it be oh no I don't care enough about second place or like that battle I'm not invested enough for that for it to like crush me if it was if it if it was for first if it was battling for first that would be exactly what would happen yes but <laughs> if no I don't I I, I actually think I actually think it'll be a fair, I reckon it'll maybe be like 30, 40 points. They'll come out on top because Aston Martin have so much more wind tunnel time. And we saw last year as well, the speed at which the, like at the beginning of the year, their car was crap last year. And it just, their upgrades were so good. They just progressed so fast throughout the season. I think they're gonna, their car is going to get faster and faster really quickly throughout the season. Their car is going to progress really fast. And I don't think we're going to see the same thing for Mercedes. I think their B-spec, or well, I know they don't call it a B-spec, but their B-spec car that they're uh, releasing at Imola, maybe, um, that Mercedes, yeah, I think it's Imola. I think they're going to have some teething issues with that car. I think it'll take them a little while. So I think Lewis will take a little bit of time. I, I don't think Mercedes will be anywhere near the top this year. And I think Aston Martin will be a fair whack on top. So I think Alonso will definitely be ahead of Lewis. That is my take. So you think that Aston Martin is going to basically keep gradually increasing their speed and Mercedes is not going to be able to keep up. Is that your prediction then? That is my prediction, yeah. I, I think... I think their new car, their yeah, their their new in inverted commas car, will be slower than faster as they get to grips with it. That's my prediction: is that they're going to bring it and they'll panic because it won't be very good. And then once they learn how it, how to set it up, then they'll get to grips with it and it'll be good. But it won't be anywhere near the Red Bull. And yeah, I think they'll be pretty, they'll be scratching their heads again. And I think they'll give up and focus on the 2024 car. And I think they'll do okay. I think they'll be third in the championship again. I think they'll I think they'll beat Ferrari. I think Ferrari will be fourth in the championship. And I think they will be behind Aston Martin. That is my take. What do you think? So you're saying that it's going to be Red Bull, uh, Aston Martin, Mercedes, Ferrari as the top four. Mm. That's what I think. You don't you don't like the sound of that, do you? But that but that no, is what you think. I'm sad about it. <laughs> but it's I'm sad about my I'm sad about it, but it's what I think will happen. I, I you see, I tend to agree with the, the 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 journey you've described of I do think Aston Martin is gonna keep getting faster, <clears throat> but I am feeling very optimistic about the speed they've managed to get out of the Mercedes, despite having not really changed anything in the first couple of races. And I do think that we've seen that their car is very track dependent. So that it, so yeah. there there might be some tracks where it's just amazing, um, but I do agree with you that I think Aston Martin will keep getting better, kind of gradually, and I think the Mercedes change. I hope there will be a big increase quickly. I fear that it could be a shit show, and then they're actually completely shit after that, and that the. Me but too. I'm not going to be that negative. So I'm going to. I'm going <laughs> to. I. I think it's what's most likely is exactly what you said. But just to be different, I'm going to say they are going to see a big jump in their performance within first race or second race of their change. And I do think in the end, they will overtake Aston Martin, whether it's down to the wire in the last race or it's kind of gradual and then they just steadily overtake them. I agree they're not going to get anywhere close to Red Bull, but I'm going to predict Red Bull, Mercedes, Aston Martin, Ferrari as the top four. 
And I mean, who mm. even knows if Ferrari will make it to fourth if they keep going at this rate? Oh my God, imagine, imagine if somebody peeped them to, after after they their car was the fastest at the beginning of last season, imagine if they weren't fourth this year. It would be shameful. What about the bottom half? What do you think there? I mean, it's just like, but you remember last year, and this was a great thing on Drive to Survive, is that literally like the bottom, you know, maybe not the last last, because that'll be like Williams with no points, but the eighth to fifth sort of thing, that can just be changed in the last race. So it's kind of yeah. luck of the draw at that point. It's just about you want to you you get as many points as you can in races like Australia and you just want to not be Williams. But it is cool to see that even Williams and Alpha Tauri do have a point each because lest us forget that a couple of years ago, Haas and Williams, neither of them got a single point. Like that was crazy. God. That is mad. That is mad. I, do you know, I preseason, I thought Williams would be last. I don't think they will be now. I think it'll be Alpha Tauri because Nick, as much as it pains yeah. me to say it, he's having an absolute stinker at the beginning. I thought Nick would be really good. And he is, yeah, he's having a really weak start. He's had some, a lot of bad luck, but he's having a really, really weak start with Alpha Tauri. And their car is terrible. But the Williams car isn't terrible. It's not great, but it's not terrible. I just feel like it's so hard to do anything in a shit car like an AlphaTauri. Like, I can't even say that Nick DeVry, I, you know, he's not even on my radar when I'm watching the races other than when he gets knocked out. Uh, I do agree about the Williams. Like, one of the things they were saying about Albon and him spinning off was that he kind of had performance in it for the first time. So, yeah, I agree with you. I would probably say that AlphaTauri will be last. And... To be honest, from the sounds of it, kind of the Red Bull company have sort of given up on AlphaTauri and they're probably going to be looking to sell it, so they really don't care. Moving on to Charles, is he the unluckiest Formula One driver? Yes, and I want his therapist. Becca, I decided to pull together some stats because after all, that is my job. Kind of <laughs> mostly looking at his DNFing and his pole position, and I've come up with some pretty horrific insights for him oh my god i'm so ready to hear them because i can really just relate to charles as an extremely 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 unlucky man so yeah i feel i feel like him and i are kindred spirits i'm ready i'm ready to hear them i'm ready to hear them i'm intrigued about if he is the most unlucky driver ever so first of all since the spanish grand prix of last year he's retired from 25 percent of his races oh that's absolutely horrendous oh my god charles why you're such a nice man why is this happening to you uh, the thing is we're talking about being unlucky so in the spanish grand prix he had engine issues azerbaijan he had a power unit issue france he span out mechan and in bahrain he had a mechanical failure and then in the australian one here as we saw it was his fault because contact with stroll so he is unlucky, but that's still 40% of the time it is his own fault. So big question is, is Charles unlucky or is he just a bit shit sometimes? Which I know is blasphemy on this podcast. It is blasphemy because Charles is a sweet angel. So I feel like maybe if he wasn't so extremely unfortunate and maybe if he didn't have the deep trauma of driving for Ferrari, maybe he wouldn't feel the need to push himself so hard at all the other times so that all these other terrible things were happening that were his fault. That's my thinking. Maybe if he drove for a nice, safe team that where bad things didn't happen to him, he wouldn't push himself so hard so he wouldn't DNF of his own accord. That is, I'm going to back him to the end. Charles, it's not, it's not your fault. That's actually a great analysis because it's true that if I'm looking at it, last year when he spun out, that was after two technical DNFs. And then this time he pushed, everyone agrees he just went way too crazy, but it's probably because of the fact that he's had such a terrible beginning to his year. So yeah, I think, I, I think yeah. that's a great analysis of my data that he's just basically letting the stress get to him. So God knows what that means is going to happen in the next race. Look, Charles, if you're listening, let's go halves on therapy together. Like, I, I, I'm guessing you've got a really great therapist out there. There's a lot. There's a lot that I can relate to with what you're going through. Let's let's share. Like, let's talk together. Let's have some group therapy. Charles, I'm with you in this. I'm with you. We're in it together. I've got you. We're going to be okay. So my next my next step is. 
I basically did. I took. I went on Wikipedia and I found every single driver in F1 history who's had at least ten pole positions. And I did some analysis about their poles versus how many entries they had and their wins, and then most importantly, their win to pole ratio. So the the first thing is about what percentage of the time they've had pole position. So there are some old drivers like uh, Fangio or Jim Clark. Fangio was in pole position 56% of the time when he raced races, but he, there were only 52 races in his career because the seasons were um, a lot uh, a lot shorter. The, the one with the mm. highest active one, Lewis Hamilton, has been on pole position in one-third of all the races he's ever been in. Mm. But Charles is... Charles is number 10 in that. So he's been on pole position in 17% of the races he's been in, which is way more than Max Verstappen at 13% or Bottas at 10 or Alonso at 6%. Obviously, someone like Alonso has spent a long time in shit cars. But yeah, so Leclerc is a very high percentage of poles. Unfortunately, <laughs> the percentage of wins that he has out of those uh, 36 drivers that had at least 10 poles he is sixth from last in terms of the percentage of wins that he has. You got people like oh, Lewis, who's Charles. won. Lewis, it's amazing. Lewis has 103 poles and 103 wins. So um, wow. that means that he's got the exact same percentage of poles and wins and his win to pole ratio. And it's not a percentage because obviously being on pole doesn't guarantee your wins, as Charles knows all too well. Um, but Lewis has a one-to-one win-to-pole ratio. And the most brutal stat I found, Becca, I didn't know I was going to find this when I did it. So I did the win-to-pole ratio. Out of the 37 drivers, Charles Leclerc is last. <laughs> so when you compare the number of wins Charles. to the number of poles, Charles Leclerc is dead last. And here's and the final nail in the coffin is Charles has only ever won one race not from pole. So pole is very important for him, unlike certain drivers like Max or Schumacher or Lewis who were able to win without it. So, yeah, Charles has a real problem here. And the question is, is he unlucky or is he just a bit shit? Don't say it. Now I hope he isn't listening because now I would feel bad. Oh my god, these are some impressive stats. Uh, I'm, I'm really, I'm really here for your research. Yeah, my answer is Charles. You're unlucky. You're not shit. You're great. That's my answer. Charles, you're amazing. You deserve good things, and you're a great driver. My last point is going to prove that he's far from the unluckiest driver in F1 because the unluckiest driver in wow. F1. This is the this is what comes up if you Google it everywhere. This person, it's an absolute shocker. His name was Andrea Cesaria. He drove during the 80s. He has 208 starts and 148 DNFs. He DNFed oh 71% of the time across his entire career. That is insane. Try and guess how many times he DNFed in a row the most. Oh, okay. Um, 15. 18. Pretty close. That's good. 18 times in a row. In the 1987 season, he DNF'd 14 out of 16 races. Oh my God. <laughs> That's absolutely brutal. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah. So now, Becca, let's move on to things literally brighter, like Lewis Hamilton's outfit at the Australian Grand Prix. I'm so ready to dissect this. This is one of my absolute favorites that we've done so far. It's like, imagine you've drunk loads of cocktails, loads of different colors of the rainbow. Like maybe you've been to Vodka Revs and then you've thrown them all up in a leopard print. That's what it looks like. Um, it looks fab. It is on the bottom. We have got uh, loads of nice colors here. We've got some blues. We've got some greens. It's leopard print. Le it's zebra print. It's not leopard print. It's zebra print, isn't it? Yeah. At the bottom, we've got, you know, orange, turquoise black blue uh, and then what looks like some patent white shoes um in classic baggy trouser lewis style then we've got a top wow where do we even go with this uh it looks like we've got a, we've got a, a zebra print blue and red shirt with what looks like on top of that a a 
vest that is luminous, highlighter colors with some black in there as well, uh, put on top, looks quite thick. So I think it's important to stress that all the colors you described are basically in neon. Like he has neon orange and green on his trousers. His shirt is neon blue and pink. And then the jacket is neon green and orange. So my simple description was he looks like a zebra that went to a UV disco. Yeah, love it. Love it. That's really a very good depiction. I mean, wow. Shall we start with weather appropriateness? I, di- I didn't I didn't do my due diligence this weekend. Normally I check the weather forecast. I think <laughs> I, I'm normally very good. I think in Melbourne it was high teens. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, I've just checked. It's it was 13 degrees. Yeah, maybe maximum of 20 sort of thing. Yeah. Christ on a bike. I mean, God, is it Becca, is it a is, five? Could could it be? Well, I don't think we should go full five, but I, I'm considering the Lewis curve, I'm going to give it a four, but I'm definitely impressed because I assumed it was much warmer there for some reason. I, I can't even believe these words are leaving my lips. Honestly, high teens, I, I'm going to give him a five. I, I mean, I'm giving him a five for weather appropriateness. Yeah. Yeah, I think he earned it. Good for him. Yeah. You deserve it, Lewis. Han, well done. Five <laughs> out of five. Could you pull it off? If I was going to a rave or a festival, I think I could, but I don't do that sort of thing anymore. So I always, my, my criteria, you know, is about what, if I wore this, when I met, went to meet my friends at the pub, would they say nothing, laugh at me or not let me hang out with them? And I think they would laugh at me a lot here, but I think they'd let me sit with them. I wouldn't get kicked out. So I'm going to give myself, I'm going to give myself a a three on, could I pull it off? Mm. I like it. And I also like your criteria. I, do you know what? I think, I think my friends would dig this. If I wore it, I think they'd be like, Becca, you, you look glam. I am going to give myself a 3.5. I'm going to give myself a 3.5. Of all Lewis's outfits, I think this is on the higher end of what I could pull off. Normally I go very low on this question, but I'm going to give myself a 3.5 for this. (laughs) What about overall fabulousness? So the colors are obviously a five, but then he's, what he's actually, I mean, okay, I'll cut to the chase. I'm going to give it a four out of five because I feel like if the Mm -hmm. shapes had been a bit more, like even like the trousers, like I am not a fan of his crazy flared stuff, but for him, this is quite tame about it's only slightly flared. So I feel like he could have gone a little more fabulous if he really wanted to, which is why I'm giving him some room. So I'm going four out of five. (laughs) You're a harsh critic. Do you know, because of because of the colours, for me, Lewis, top marks. It's a five. Yeah, it's a five from me. The colours are so jazzy. I just love this. I absolutely love it. This, I just think it's absolutely fantastic. I'm loving the colours. It just would really catch my eye. If I saw someone, like if I saw anyone walking past me on the street wearing this outfit, I'd be like, wow, you look fab. Love that outfit. It's the kind of thing, if anyone walked past me on the street wearing this, I'd comment to my friend and be like, wow, love that. Look at those colours. So jazzy. Just, I wouldn't be able to, wouldn't be able to not comment on it. So I think it has to be a five. Fair enough. That's a, that's a good criteria. And finally, to end the pod, I, th- we, I wanted to do our predictions for the year. We've already done our predictions for the teams. You think that it's going to be Red Bull, Aston Martin, Mercedes, Ferrari. What do you think the top, let's call it the top four to six or however far you want to go. How do you think it's going to be for the drivers? God, this has really changed since I did my initial predictions for the year. Good God. Wow. Um, my initial prediction for the year was... Max Charles Lewis. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Three races in. God, I never want to listen back to that podcast again. Okay. Um, how has it changed? Well, I mean, obviously, Max, at least I got one right. Next, uh, Checo, definitely, definitely Checo second. I'm going to go firm second. Third, Alonso, I'm going to go. Could definitely have not foreseen that. I'm going to go fourth, Russell. Fourth, Russell. I think he's going to pip. I'm going to think he's going to pip Lewis to the post again. Fifth, Lewis. Six. Who will I go six? Stroll. There we go. There's my top six. What about you? So you haven't put a single Ferrari in the top six? No. Charles and Carlos sending you lots of love. I think you're just going to keep DNFing. <laughs> so I'm going Max Checo like you. I'm going Lewis third, Alonso fourth, Russell fifth, 
And then Sainz and then Charles. So that's uh, top seven. Ooh, Sainz above above Charles. Yeah. Shall we go into the would you rathers? I have got a would you rather for you. Have you got a would you rather for me, Dom? I do. Who should go first? I let me, shall I kick off? Yeah. My would you rather for you is, would you rather have three of your favorite drivers DNF every race for the next three years? You don't know who it's going to be, but every single race, yeah. three do. Or Lewis announces he's retiring at the end of this season. We, my that That's a broad list. It's basically like my top 10 favorite. It's not my top three. It's not my three favorites DNF every race, is it? No, no. It's like, it can be, so like, I probably would say I have maybe like a top eight. So, so maybe like your top eight, three of those top eight. I'll take, I'll, I'll take, I'll take that. The, them DNFing over Lewis retiring. I'm not ready for it. I need him to get that win. We've got very similar themes in ours. Have we? Oh, I'm excited to hear. The question is, would you rather Lewis not win another championship or would you rather have every race for the next season for 2023 for the 2024 season to be in australia so what i'm basically asking is would you put up with a whole year of every races in australia but lewis will win an eighth championship would you pay that price for him as in i i have to go through what i went through this weekend for every race for the rest of the year Yes. Oh my God. But he gets his eighth. He gets his eighth. I have to sacrifice. I have to sacrifice myself. Am I am I doing it knowing he gets his eighth? If I'm if I'm doing it, being like, oh my God, okay, okay. I'm so upset, but I know he's gonna get his eighth. But then that, that's a spoiler. It's a spoiler. Okay, but you know he'll okay, how about this? In this in this imaginary world where I'm God and I control everything, the rest of this season like this we have to be like this weekend but then you know that in the next three years lewis will win one more championship but you just don't know which year Mm. so there's a little bit of there's a little bit of yeah so it could happen anytime could happen anytime oh my god i mean i feel i always had a breakdown when sunita texted me about lewis going second Mm -mm -mm. okay um can i do that 20 20 more times this year I'm having a really bad year. This is extremely difficult, but (laughs) yes, fucking hell. Lewis, you owe me. You really owe me. You better wear some good outfits for me (laughs) to be able to analyze on the pod. And Mercedes, you better let me in the paddock. And Toto, seriously, you're going to meet me. You owe me, Mercedes. You really owe me. You really owe me. After, After what I went through this weekend, the thought of doing that 20 more times. The whole the whole of Team LA chose me, to be honest. I'll do it, but I'm not happy about it. I'm I'm extremely unhappy about it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. You're As a Mercedes welcome. fan and a Lewis fan, I appreciate that. <laughs> Well, Dom, thank you for being such a fantastic host of this pod. As you know, I I just don't think I had it in me to host this podcast. It's been an absolute delight. And I feel like you've, you've made me maybe emotionally ready to at least maybe listen to Maybe I'll listen to my one favorite podcast, Debriefing the Race. Maybe, maybe I'll put myself through that. So thank you. Thank you for getting me through this. I'm very grateful. Happy to help in more ways than one. <laughs> Almost like a therapy session. And thank you to <laughs> yeah. the lovely listeners. I I would say I hope you enjoyed listening to the podcast. I feel like you probably enjoyed listening to Dom. You probably didn't enjoy listening to my ranting and raging, particularly at the beginning. But, you know, for those of you that did have the race spoiled by Sky, I, I hear you. I feel you. We're in this together. Next year, let's all get up at six and watch it so we don't have to go through this ever again. And um, yeah, we'll we'll never be in this situation ever again because uh, we can all write a complaint to Sky. But thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe so you get notified when the pods are available. Email us your road questions at formationchatf1 at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at formationchat on TikTok, TikTok, TikTok at formationchat. Thank you so much for listening. Dom, any final any final words for our lovely listeners? I'm just sad we have to wait like three or four weeks till the next race because of the silly Chinese Grand Prix, but 
We'll be there with uh, bells and whistles. Oh my god! Oh my god! I didn't do predictions. Don, what's your prediction for the Chinese uh, the Chinese Grand Prix? Well, <laughs> I don't think of any predictions for that. <laughs> it's it's not going to happen. It's my prediction. <laughs> What's your prediction for Baki? <laughs> I win! <laughs> um, you know what? I'm, let's have some fun. I'm going to say that Max DNS, <laughs> Lewis wins, Checo second, <laughs> Russell third. Ooh, okay, I love it. Do you know what? I'm going to go a Lewis win as well. Fuck it. Lewis win, Max second, Alonso third. There we go. All right. Bye, listeners. Bye. Bye.